1: Zack's heart was pounding as the cold morning air fogged up the car windows. He was trying to remember his backstory as they neared the location. But as they swung around the corner, no one was there. Zack was stunned. Had it all fallen apart already? But we don't start here. I'm Maeve McClennigan. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is the beginning of a new series of the show... And as always, we start with the tip off.
2: So I'm Zach Garner Perkis. I'm the chief reporter at My London. At the time of reporting uh, the story, I was uh, the head of content at Construction News.
1: Construction News is a monthly business to business news outlet, also known as B2B. Zach's role involved writing news stories, doing interviews, covering reports, and writing up press releases. It was a job that involved a deep knowledge of the industry, but wasn't necessarily an obvious place to do investigations.
2: Working at titles like Construction News, because you're more of a part of a industry in a way that maybe you wouldn't be if you're doing local journalism or, or national journalism, there's sometimes a wariness of like, I don't know whether to say not upset people, but focus on kind of like deals and stuff that is not really going deep.
1: But somewhere within the usual news stories, Zack started to notice things, things he wanted to dig into. One area was modern slavery. Around 40 million people worldwide are in modern slavery. It can include things like human trafficking, forced labour, child exploitation, forced marriage and domestic servitude. It goes on all around us, including in the UK.
2: When they look at modern slavery, it's the majority of cases in the UK, or the largest number, are within labour of some kind, within the construction sector or gardening and that type of thing. But you never really see stories about it, or you didn't used to see stories about it. It tended to focus on nail bars or car washes. And so at Construction News, I thought, well, there's a real opportunity that we can do this because we understand the sector and can kind of get in there in a way.
1: Zach started reading around as much as he could. And one day he set up an interview that would set things really rolling. Zach had gone to interview the Met Police's then head of modern slavery, Phil Brewer. It was supposed to be a simple interview story. But right at the end, Brewer dropped a bomb.
2: He mentioned to me, We know that there's stuff going on, but we don't have the resources to go in there and investigate and like deal with it. So it's worth you having a look at it. He gave me specific locations. I just started going down to them.
1: So he started waking up early, dressing as if he was heading off for a day of manual labour, and would then set out of his front door.
2: I don't drive, so it was always horrendously, like a four o'clock, like as early a tube as you can possibly get.
1: Zach would arrive in the early mornings and find groups of men waiting outside builder's yards or shops. They would often be speaking Romanian, and many seemed to know each other. He knew he couldn't just go up and start asking questions, but he wanted to understand better what he was seeing. So he watched.
2: So... They're relatively easy places to blend because I'm like a kind of bloke. If I wear the right clothes, I could just blend with them and be like another person that's just looking for work. Although I probably did stand out in a lot of ways. Uh, The one in Old Kent Road had a McDonald's (laughs) that was like well positioned that if you sat in the window, you could kind of observe it. And that was a really good spot for me because I could just watch it without it being as obvious. Whereas other places I did have to kind of like walk about.
1: So for days, and in weeks he would watch the groups. It soon became clear that when a van pulled up, it was a builder looking for cheap labour. Most of the men were there to work, but some didn't get into the vans themselves. Instead, these were the ones negotiating, organising. These were the gangmasters. Zack took it all in, always careful to never stick around too long or make his presence too obvious. But he wanted to know more, and he realised the only way to do that was going to be talking to the men themselves. So we managed to find a Romanian translator and together they set out. They would go to these builders' yards and quietly approach the men they found there.
2: It was always a real battle to get anyone to talk in those situations. Like I had a brilliant translator, Razvan, and he had been like a journalist in the past. So it was, it, you know, it's always really helpful when you've got someone that kind of, gets it but people just they didn't want to speak because there'd been stories done in the past by tabloid papers they'd been secretly filmed and it had kind of been like look at these people undercutting british workers kind of thing they were highly suspicious of journalists and there was also a sense about you're just going to take my story and you're going to make money out of it and while that wasn't like directly true like it's hard not to have sympathy with the people because you know they're there because they're in quite a desperate situation.
1: Zach would try and explain, and occasionally men would tell him useful insights. But often he had to work hard to get anything out of them.
2: When I first went out, they said to me, they were like, We're hungry. Like, why should we speak to you when I'm hungry? And I know you're not supposed to do this. So me and the translator went to Tesco's or whatever and just bought a load of sandwiches and crisps and stuff and just gave them to him. And that experience of Interacting with those people was one of the major drives that I had for doing the subsequent stories. Nobody was speaking for them. In lots of ways, it was like they weren't able to stand up for themselves and people were just exploiting for it as well.
1: Zach kept on travelling out to these building suppliers, trying his best to get the men to talk. One day, he and his translator arrived, but he realised something was off. They'd gone to a site in Seven Sisters in North London.
2: And it was just like, the atmosphere was just bad. There was people having like a a really aggressive argument and then it kind of just shifted where me and the interpreter seemed to be the focus of what was going on. And like a guy kind of body checked me as he went past and we were kind of getting a little bit surrounded. There were some people who were Romani, so they were kind of like, switching from Romanian, which my translator understood, to Romani language, which he didn't understand. And so we didn't know what they were saying, but they were talking about us. So we were like, we have to get out of here now.
1: He and the translator got out of there quick, but he didn't let it stop him. He kept going back. Slowly, Zach began to understand more about where these men came from. Many had travelled from Romania, having been promised that they would make good money in the UK. The traffickers exploited family connections or friendships to win the men's trust. Many came from the same towns or villages. When they arrived in the UK, they were put to work for as little as a couple of pounds an hour, working long shifts on dangerous building sites. Their gangmasters had control over them. They knew there was nowhere they could go to for help. And the more Zach heard, the more he understood the scale of the issue.
2: What a lot of the industry would do is they just kind of dismiss it as like, oh, you know, these are just people that are going and kind of fixing people's kitchens and stuff and just happening on a small scale with unscrupulous landlords, you know, ripping people off. So a lot of the way that I started to think about the story was like, well, how do I show? It's happening in major projects, but also the kind of criminal elements which are at play there as well.
1: And slowly it dawned on him that there was only one way to get it. He was going to have to go undercover. Zach had been reporting on exploitation and modern-day slavery in the construction industry for months. But there was still more he wanted to know.
2: I knew that there were those elements there where it was like organised and controlled elements of these sites, but I was like, what way could I flush them out?
1: And then one day he was contacted by a producer a woman called Shy who worked for BBC Three and was making a series called Blind Boy Undestroys the World, an unusual show in which Irish satirist, musician and presenter Blind Boy Boat Club would delve into deep and polemic issues, a mix of gonzo journalism and satirical commentary. And they wanted to do an episode about modern-day slavery in the UK
2: we started discussing different ways in which you would be able to find out where people were going to so some of the original ideas that we played with were like could we have people on mopeds that would follow vans to see what sites they ended up at and then it occurred to me it was like well actually it's the transaction that would be the way to do it because there would be significant deals that would be done and obviously it would be a kind of hierarchy of people running the workers so The idea of posing as a potential customer kind of evolved from wanting to demonstrate how far it went to make people sit up and take notice. Kind of, this is where it starts, and it's going on, like, on your doorstep.
1: The producer liked the idea, and they started to develop how they would do it.
2: So I kind of devised this idea and laid it out, and and then Shy and the BBC team, they helped to refine it and got a lawyer to say, "Okay, what are parameters of modern slavery so we had like a framework we'd go through the hours that they were working that was clearly the under minimum wage that it would be unsafe going through like the different things to tick all the boxes to demonstrate that this was actually modern slavery.
1: Now Zach knew these building yards he'd seen enough times how the deals went down so he thought he would be the perfect person to go undercover for the sting but the production team weren't so sure.
2: They were like no you don't have any experience of doing it and it's potentially, you know, a risky, dangerous situation.
1: Zach put his foot down.
2: You know, it's often if you're in the kind of like junior specialist publication that you don't have as big a name, you plug in sources and stuff and then you don't perhaps get the credit at the end of it. So I was like, no, I, w- I want to do this myself.
1: But there was a lot to do first. He had to concoct a plausible cover story. They decided he would pose as a builder who needed some cheap labour to finish a job.
2: It was like that we had a project that was running late and we needed to get people in. And I mean, writing about construction, like you deal with those stories all the time. So I guess I kind of fused together little things that I knew and was familiar with.
1: The story would mean he could talk to the gangmasters and really push them on the limits of what the men would do, asking whether they'd work long hours without breaks, do dangerous work without safety equipment, and work for way below the minimum wage. But there was still one thing he needed, a fake name. Finally, he decided on Ray Chamberlain.
2: The names actually always makes me laugh because my uncle's called Ray and he's an electrician. <laughs> and then I think just used to live off Chamberlain Road, so they were just two like things that I could remember.
1: The team decided to pick locations that Zach knew well from all his scoping. Being on familiar territory would hopefully play in their favour they rehearsed the story over and over again. They even had a safe word they would use if things got a bit hairy.
2: It's a bit like rock climbing where they say, look, the best thing you can do is climb down off the wall if you get into a situation you don't want to be, but like, you've always got that option that you can just kind of drop and fall safely. So to develop but the safe word was there of like, if you just have to get out of there.
1: Zach thought back to his time in Seven Sisters when the men had got aggressive. He'd heard of worse things happening, Men bundled into the back of vans against their will, violent gangmasters who took no prisoners. But there wasn't time to dwell. He tried to hold his nerve. Zack would be working with Matai, a Romanian-speaking journalist who would pose as his translator. So it was, Zack turned up at Matai's house at three in the morning, buzzing with adrenaline. The BBC team took them through the plans one last time and they got mic'd up.
2: I had like a... Polo shirt, and then he had like a kind of plaid shirt with the buttonhole cameras. But you've got strapped up like a kind of mummy or something like wrapped around you with this kind of monitor. And yeah, making sure that you're stood in the right place, checking that the camera's working and that you've not got something falling in front of it. And yeah, I guess that's when you're kind of like, okay, this is we're. We're really doing this now. We're not messing about.
1: Equipment in place, it was time to go. Zach and Matai bundled into a van they had hired for the occasion and set off into the dark North London streets.
2: It was absolutely freezing. It was just so cold. I remember I was kind of wearing like thick socks, two coats and a hat and gloves and everything and I was still like freezing.
1: Mattai was driving, but just like Zach. He was nervous.
2: He kept stalling the van. He already pretty nervous and anxious. It didn't feel like the safest journey.
1: Stopping and starting, they drove to the builders' merchant yards they'd scoped out previously. As Mattai heaved the van around the corner, Zach's heart was pounding in his chest. This was it. Everything they'd been working towards. But the sight before him was the last thing he had expected.
2: There weren't actually people there. Like, we've gone to all this trouble. Like, we've, we're have we all here with strapped and we've got the, the hidden cameras on. We're in the van driving this freezing cold very early morning and we're not even going to be able to do the story.
1: Trying not to feel too dejected, they moved to plan B. Another location, another yard he'd scoped out, but yet more problems.
2: The second place we went to, we spoke to a guy and it was just... Clear that he was not the type of person who we were looking for. You know, the line was, Can you get us some workers? And he was like, Oh, yeah, I can. Kind of, I'll call my mates type thing. But he just obviously was not running any kind of scheme. So we've kind of gone to three different locations. I'm thinking, Oh, this is just not going to work. Feeling, you know, really anxious about it. And I, okay, well, there is one more that's relatively close that we can try. We drive through there and as soon as we pulled up, I knew, it, I was like, this one is different because the guys, they had a different demeanour about them. Like, they meant business. Like they were like a, a gang of blokes rather than being kind of like a smattering of individuals.
1: It was on. Zach and Matai had worked out a plan. Zach, who was posing as the head builder, would stay in the van when he'd been watching the yards, he had noticed that if English builders stepped down from their vehicles, they were often swamped by men offering their services. But he wanted to find out who the negotiators were, the gangmasters. They were the ones they wanted to draw out. So it was Matai who headed out, leaving Zach to wait.
2: And that I guess that was when the nerves started to rattle a bit, because I'm watching Matai talking to the guys and kind of gesturing over
1: Zack slid out of the van and made his way over to where Matai and the gangmaster were standing. But the look on his translator's face was panic. What was wrong? Had the men guessed what they were up to? No. It was something a little more basic than that. Matai had forgotten Zach's undercover name.
2: He came over and kind of like gestured and then was silent and it was a bit of a kind of awkward thing where we're looking at each other. And he told me afterwards it was because he'd forgot my cover name.
1: Luckily, Zach remembered. He was Ray Chamberlain. Still, he was fighting to keep his cool.
2: You're just thinking they can see the camera, even though they're obviously not. But I think it's something in human nature where it's like, you're hyper aware of it. So you kind of make that assumption that everyone else is hyper aware of it. Then when we started speaking, he kind of just switched into sort of mode of like, I need to see whether I can get what I need to get. You know, I need good guys. They've got to work long hours. Just ridiculous things like, oh, they've got to go up on the roof and use a blowtorch. I've not got any equipment. They can't have any equipment. And, you know, going through all of these things and just adding them on bit by bit and and haggling with them.
1: Here's a clip from the undercover recording. The team later distorted the voice of the suspected gangmaster, but you'll hear Zach haggling with him.
2: But on the price, what is the lowest we can do? Seven days All right, but seven days? Yeah. And long days? Yeah. And then when I listen back to the thing, it's like I've almost adopted some weird voice <laughs> for it. But I guess it was like just trying to kind of hold my nerve and, and be convincing and assertive. The whole morning seemed like it was just, you build it up a lot, you've got that anxiety, those nerves. You don't know how it's going to go. It seems like nothing's going to happen, which then at the very last, the last place that we went to, it all just came together.
1: Hardly able to believe it, Zak and Matai headed back to his house. In the days after they tried texting the gangmaster, they wanted to get more information. One thing in particular had stood out. When boasting of his men's experience, the gangmaster had alleged that they had worked on a big rail project... In a southwest town. This was fascinating to Zach.
2: Then this is a project that's like publicly funded that they've gone and worked on.
1: But eventually the texts dried up, and Zach never did get exactly who had hired the men for the rail project. Still, the sting had been a huge success. Zach was excited, ready to see the story go out. But he was getting ahead of himself. This was for a TV documentary, and they can be slow. Months passed. And there was no sign of a green light to go ahead.
2: Like we had a few follow-up calls. They showed the footage to the lawyers and all of that kind of stuff. Then it was over very quickly.
1: To try and stave off the frustration, Zach kept digging. A source tipped him off about a criminal trial that was going on in Suffolk Crown Court. A prosecution under the modern-day Slavery Act, which was digging into construction work. So it was that Zach found himself at the courthouse day after day.
2: I could see the pattern repeated of where they go to a rural area of Romania you know often they have links to lots of the victims you know it's kind of oh go and work with my cousin's mate blah or whatever and then they turn up and they take the passport off them and all the kind of classic exploitative practices that take place but sitting through days and days of evidence, although like, it's not exactly like a riveting or exciting experience, but it helped me to really understand it because it they'd happened with so many other people.
1: All these details that came out in the court case built up just how the chain of exploitation worked. But at the courthouse, Zach was struck by just how quiet things were.
2: That I'd have to ask for the key for the press room or whatever, and there was never anybody about. You occasionally had some agency or someone from the Daily Mail that would drop in, and there were tons of cases, which it would have been great to have people sitting in and getting a better understanding of all of this stuff, because I know for me it was, you know, enhance my knowledge tenfold rather than just reading the press release.
1: Throughout his research, Zach realised the complexity of modern-day slavery cases within the construction industry. The men he spoke to, Even those up in court did not necessarily see themselves as victims. Many were older men from Eastern Europe, full of pride and carrying the hopes and pressures of families back home, who were waiting on them to send money back.
2: There were just so many horrible stories of people like, you know, 50-year-old Romanian blokes who'd been picked up outside B&Q, driven to Brighton, been told, oh, paint like five flats over 18 hours or something. They've worked themselves into the ground. The person's taken at the end and said, oh yeah, um, don't worry, I'll go and get your money now. And then just like dumped them on the street. That was a really common thing.
1: It was too easy to brush the practice off as people offering ad hoc cheap labour for small scale individual projects. What Zach had seen was a huge exploitative system at work with men duped into travel on false promises and then put to work on large-scale, even official projects, with little safety precautions and for as little as £4.50 an hour. They felt like they couldn't go to the police because they thought they were working illegally, even though, in fact, they weren't. It was a sobering realisation. It has been months now since Zack went undercover. He's been publishing other stories based on his interviews and court reporting. But then, finally... One day, BBC Three get in touch and tell him the documentary will be aired. It was not quite what Zach had been expecting.
2: All over Britain, gangmasters keep trafficked men in horrible conditions, then bring them to these car parks for auctions, where asshole construction companies illegally hire whoever will work for the lowest price. When it came out, I was kind of like, well, you know, it's really short.
1: But it meant he was able to put out his Construction News article, charting all he had found. The story made a splash. And all Zach's concerns about how the readers of this trade magazine would react to such a probing, critical story were proven to be unfounded.
2: Not everyone's always going to be on board with it, but I think what Construction News did during my time there, it was like, we're going to say stuff that might upset the audience, but they need to hear it. And actually, the response was good. They respected us for doing that.
1: And the work garnered award nominations too, including being highly commended at the prestigious British Journalism Awards.
2: That was amazing. I remember going down there and being like on my own on a table and just, it was all a little bit overwhelming, but really good. And it's just great to be like alongside all of the amazing journalists that are there. If there's young journalists at like other specialist titles that think, oh, I've got a really good knowledge about this topic, or I've got contacts that the BBC or the FT, they can't develop the contacts like this because they don't write about the things that I write about, you know, to to be ambitious and go for it.
1: Thanks to Zach Garner for taking us through that great investigation. There's a link to his story in the show notes. Next time on The Tip-Off.
0: And you immediately start thinking, what was it that I was really seeing back then at Duncroft? Why was this 50-year-old man hanging around with under-16-year-olds, taking them out in his car on his own?
1: That's all for this episode of The Tip-Off. Please do review, subscribe and pass a word on to your friends. And you can visit our new website, thetipoffpodcast.com, to explore show notes and past seasons. This show is a co-production of Studio 2B. Thanks to Joaquim Alvarado and Kenna Akeda for their support. Maeve McLennigan, that's me, created this podcast. Olivia Alma produced the show. Chloe Behrens handles audio production support. Claudia Mesa does our audio mixing and sound design. Thanks also to Subin Kim and Rishana Miller for their transcription support. Dice Muse composed our theme music. As always... Stay tuned for more stories behind the headlines. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more